Welcome to Teach Languages Online, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the best advice about your online teaching business. I'm Lindsay Williams, an online language teacher from the UK, and I'm your host. In this episode, it's a Q&A episode, which means I'm answering your questions. And my recommendation to you is Teachable. You'll find out why in just a moment. Teachable is the best place to put your online courses. They handle the tech, the payments and all that scary stuff and make it as easy as possible to teach online with courses. Find out more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teachable. And that's my affiliate link, which means it's a great way to support the show. Now then, on with today's show. Today's question is from Michael on Instagram, who asks, I have a question I'd like to know more about. What can online language teachers do to diversify their income, i.e. not relying only on lesson income? Okay, great question with a lot of answers. So there are many different ways that you can expand your online language teaching business to include other things and create a sort of level of passive income sometimes so that you've got this stability going on underneath the uh, sort of active one-on-one lessons that you're doing on top of that. So just a few ideas then for how you can diversify your income. Number one, group lessons. Number two, and we'll talk a little bit more about these in a moment. Number two, digital products. So that would be things like ebooks, planners, audio or video extras, things like that. Number three, physical products. So I'm thinking notebooks, phone cases, t-shirts, etc. Number four, teaching or learning resources. Now these could be digital, they could be physical, but anything that's going to help people learn directly or that's going to help people to teach directly. A membership, so something where people pay a monthly subscription to be a part of. Hosting events, both on and offline, for example, retreats and workshops, those kind of things. And online courses, and that's where Teachable fits in. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. So let's just backtrack and go back to that first example we had then, so group lessons. What's great about group lessons is that if you're already teaching online and you're enjoying it, then you've you know that that's something that you love, right? So that's good. Um, But the difference is that if you're teaching multiple people at once, and this is the big perk of, of group lessons, if you're teaching multiple people at once, then your time is less, but your money is more. Does that make sense? So if you're feeling a bit like, oh, the lesson income and, you know, working, I don't know, $10 an hour for eight hours a day, and it's really tough to get enough, you know, if one student drops out or you're ill for a day, then you've lost out on a lot of money then. Well, actually, if you have a group lesson, you've got more money with the same amount of time that you would have for a one-on-one lesson. So that's a real positive to group lessons. However, of course, as with all of these things, as we'll discuss, there's a few negatives, a few perhaps downsides or things just to consider before you dive in. And for group lessons, this means that there may be more costs involved. So for example, booking and scheduling, if you're teaching one-on-one, you may already use um, a tool like Acuity Scheduling or Canonly or something like that to have people book directly with you. But equally, you may not use that. So for example, I never really have used things like that for booking one-on-one lessons with me because I've always had it be very 
sort of personal. So we'll email, we'll understand each other, then we'll book a regular lesson and we'll confirm at the end of that lesson if the next lesson's happening at the same time, that kind of thing. So it's never been something I've used for one-on-one lessons. However, if I was doing group lessons, imagine the logistics of trying to organize everyone in that group lesson via email that's not going to happen that's going to take up way too much time which means that you'll need some sort of booking or scheduling tool to use to help you get those group lessons set up so that could incur an extra cost to pay for that tool to work for you and to do the work you need it to do Um, also things like invoicing as well so that if you have a tool that doesn't include the payment side of things that may be something else you need to consider to make sure that everything is as automated and as easy as possible for you for those lessons also when it comes to group lessons i highly recommend hosting them on zoom it's much much easier however the limit is 40 minutes on the free plan so if you're thinking of doing sessions for longer than that maybe an hour an hour and a half two hours however however long you choose to teach a group lesson for then you may need to upgrade your zoom package which again would be another cost to think about but like we said there's likely to be more money with the less time so you know just think about that are those costs going to outweigh any sort of financial advantage that you're gaining from teaching a group you know or does it actually pay off in the end so it's just something to consider however of course when you're teaching group lessons you're still relying on lesson income which is what Michael's question was trying to get away from so let's move on from that and talk a little bit more about digital products so this is the second thing I mentioned including things like ebooks planners audio video extras there's so much here that you know anything that you can deliver digitally basically you can sell as a digital product. It's a really rapidly growing sort of area. And I think it's really important to consider at least one thing that you could do in the future. It doesn't have to mean that you start today, right now, you know, that can be quite intimidating, but something that you could do that fits in with everything that you're doing right now. So some perks, so some perks then of digital products. The great thing about this is that you are creating once and you're earning lots right so and I don't necessarily mean like lots like you create a thing once woo, million pounds I mean you're earning multiple times right so whereas those one-on-one lessons even the group lessons you're creating the resources you're giving the time for the lesson and what you earn is is there it's that one lesson that one hour that you spend with students and there you go that's it it's over whereas with a digital product you can create something And you can be earning multiple times, years even down the line after creating that one thing one time years ago, which is quite cool. That's quite fun. And also the great thing about digital products, and this is compared to physical products that we'll discuss in a moment, is that with digital products, you have no postage costs, no shipping costs. There's none of that sort of additional financing involved on your part okay and of course this means that you can be earning quite literally in your sleep it sounds a bit like internet sort of spammy marketing doesn't it oh while you sleep yeah 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 but it's true you can wake up check your phone oh I made a sale last night that's fun and it never gets old honestly it's always a really nice little treat to wake up to however the negative side of digital products are that you will need to figure out different taxes that are applicable to you depending on where you live depending on exactly what you're selling Um, there's constantly 
changing and updating taxes in various countries. So it's something that you would need to stay on top of a little bit more. However, when you're teaching online in those live lessons, you probably will have never needed to consider that in the same way. Um, in a lot of places, education and if there's a live element involved, that tends to change tax. However, with a digital product, you tend not to have that live element or that sort of educational side of things in the same way. So you may find that taxes are different. So it's something to consider for digital products. Again, not trying to put you off, just trying to be completely transparent here for you. But yeah, for me, digital products are great because um, I know I have my planners, for example, and they just keep selling just underneath everything is a little undercurrent of, of uh, money coming in, which is great. Moving on then, physical products. So this time I'm talking about things like notebooks, phone cases, T-shirts, bags, whatever it is, things that people get and they hold in their hand and it's not, you know, you know, you could you could make a digital product and someone can print it off and they hold that in their hand. But this is different. This is something that would be delivered, right? So you can see the difference there between the digital and the physical product. So physical products, then this is great because they can help to spread brand awareness. So let's say that you've got um, a student has purchased one of your notebooks. They go into class. They're there with the notebook. Someone sees it sitting next to them and thinks, oh, that's cool. Where'd you get that from? Oh, I got it from blah, blah, blah. Insert your brand name here. How cool is that? So this isn't necessarily, especially if you have a smaller audience, don't think of physical products as the way you're going to make your mega bucks, right? Think of it as almost like a form of promotion that maybe makes a bit of money on the side. And that's nice, right? So that's the big advantage is that there's that brand awareness getting out there. People want what you have on their stuff. That's so cool, right? Um, however, of course, the difference here between the physical and the digital is that with physical products, you've got shipping costs involved. You'll, you'll, you'll be needing to pay for postage to get those things delivered. And of course, you'll need space to keep your inventory, to keep all the stuff that you've got made and that is ready to sell. However, back swinging it back around with a positive the, these things aren't necessarily a problem so i use redbubble which is a really good site because it handles all of that stuff so i don't have to have boxes of notebooks so i have my notebooks that are available for people to purchase i don't have to have boxes of those in the corner of my office because redbubble makes them as and when people order them they handle that the sort of making side of things they therefore don't have any like space to keep the, book, the stuff because they're made on demand and they deal with all of the shipping costs and that and then they pay me the percentage um, sort of once a month or every now and then when it comes through. So that's really cool because that takes away the stresses of, you know, the potential stresses of physical products. Um, but it gives me the perk of, of having one there, of having that sort of brand awareness being spread. So physical products can be good. They're not necessarily how I think if you're an online business, you're going to make your mega bucks. Um, but it's, it's one thing you may want to consider. Okay, then moving on. Resources. So when I'm talking about digital and physical products, I'm not necessarily talking about resources. I feel like that deserves its own little moment in the sun. So we're going to talk about that separately. So resources are great because let's say you have uh, a good handful of one-on-one -on -one lessons with students. You're creating resources already for those students, for those lessons with those students. You're doing the work, so you may as well be making more money from it. So by selling your resources, you can be adding to your income from those individual lessons. 
Does that make sense? Because you're already doing that work as part of those lessons. So that's a big perk of, of selling your resources. What you might want to consider is, do you sell your resources? Do you, do you kind of market them for teachers or for learners? You know, because that might change slightly how you do things. You know, the way that you give instructions on resources might be slightly different. If you're selling your resources to teachers, maybe you include an extra page that just explains how you use this resource in an activity in a classroom, etc. If it's for a student, make sure that everything's clear, that they can understand to use this resource on their own. But having your own bank of resources for sale is great because it shows your expertise. It shows, look, I know what I'm doing and you can learn too. Even if you can't learn with me one-on-one, here you go, have some stuff I've made and you can learn. It shows how good you are, okay? And it's great as well because generally these are gonna be quite a low price point. You can, of course, bundle them into a package. So you have a bigger package of um, resources, maybe about one particular topic, but you can sell them individually as well so that people can buy what they need when they need it. And there's various places you can do this. You could do this through a site like Teachable. Um, however, that might be a bit kind of long-winded. You could use something like Gumroad. You could use something like Teachers Pay Teachers is probably your best bet here when it comes to resources. However, that's primarily designed for teachers. So if you are thinking of selling directly to students, maybe you want to consider somewhere else. But anywhere where you can sell something and people can download it digitally or it can be delivered depending on if you want them to be the digital or physical again so there's that to think about here with resources but you know there's many different options for where to put your resources here however slight downside of course is that maybe you're making this for your lesson maybe you're doing quite a lot of them in one go monday mornings your planning time perhaps and oops there's a mistake there's a typo on one of your documents and you don't get the chance to recheck it again before you put it up for sale as a resource, well, that's gonna reflect badly on you. So you wanna make sure that if you are creating resources to go beyond that one one-on-one lesson, then double check, you know, just go over things and make sure that everything is correct. Next up is memberships. So this would be, for example, for me, Language Study Club is an example of a membership. So people pay a monthly subscription. I co-run this with uh, my friend Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist. And we take the idea that one month I host, the next month she hosts. And every week people get new content. So the first week is a video lesson. The second week of the month is a workbook based on the same topic. Third week is a mini challenge to put things into practice. And then finally, in the fourth week of that month's um, sort of topics worth, we have a live Q&A together where people can come and ask their questions. On top of that, we've got a Facebook, private Facebook group community as well. So it's really just a way to, well, that's one of the perks, in fact, that it creates this element of community around your business. You know, people want in, they want to be a part of of what you're doing and what you're teaching. They want to learn with you. Maybe as well, people can't afford to take one-on-one lessons with you. This is a great way for people to get access to you via a more sort of profitable means for you, you know, a way that you can both be happy. They're paying less per month than they would if they had those individual lessons with you, but they're also getting that one-on-one time with you, you know, if you offer a live Q&A, a private Facebook community, etc. as well. And of course, with this being a monthly 
payment, you get that other benefit of regular income. So you know, you know, guaranteed, okay, I've got X number of people in the membership, well, that's going to be that number of dollars per month um, going forward. And of course, you know, from time to time, that might change, it might go up, it might go down. But you can, of course, do kind of like little mini launches or mini uh, drives, if you want, for promotions to get new people to join at certain times of year, whenever you feel like, oh, you know, I, I feel like I need a bit of a boost in money this month, you can say, right, okay, do I want to do lots of promotion to get some new one-on-one students or is it going to be more profitable to promote the membership? You can decide um, which way around you choose to do things, of course. However, I think it's nice if you can keep your membership to a reasonable number of people that you can, you know, so you know everyone's name rather than just thinking, oh yeah, I'm getting all this money. You know, you want it to be still friendly and still useful for people. So that's something to consider as well. Of course, the negative side of having a membership is that you have to create stuff regularly. It's not optional. It's not just a case of, yeah, I think I need to make a new product this month or whatever. You know, it's not just willy nilly when you fancy it. People are relying on you. They're paying you. You know, they're trusting that you are going to make that stuff for them every single month. Okay, so you have to be committed if you're going to host a membership. So that is something to seriously consider before you start this. Right then, moving on. So next up is events. And events are really, really powerful ways to build a buzz around your brand. Um, What's great about this is that you can do events nowadays. It's so, so easy to do this on and offline. So at first, maybe you think, oh, that sounds huge. And where am I even going to rent a venue? And how am I going to get people to pay pay for themselves to travel here? You know, I live in a small town, whatever. No worries. You can do an online event. It can still be huge, maybe even bigger because it's so much easier and the price for tickets can be so much lower. And this can also be a great way to bring in a new audience for future stuff that you do, you know, future products and courses and services that you create as well, because it can have that sort of lower price point, but it has that live element as well. So people get to see you, they get to know a little bit more about who you are and what you're about without that full committing to, yes, I want to learn, I want to have one-on-one lessons with you. So events can be great for that. Um, However, of course, this includes a lot of work. You know, that's not to say, (laughs) definitely not to say that any of the others we've mentioned so far are easy or a walk in the park with no work whatsoever. Of course, they all are a lot of work, but events especially, because there's lots of moving cogs. You know, you've got to have the live elements working. You've got to do all the right kind of contact beforehand. You know, there's a lot of things going on and it can be a lot of work. When my example of of this personally is when I hosted Women in Language, which I did with um, two other people. So I wasn't alone, (laughs) which was great. So I hosted Women in Language with Shannon again, who I host the Membership Language Study Club with and with Kirsten as well from Fluent Language. And this was great because we had we used Asana to keep track of everything and we'd have allocated tasks for the three of us based on our different strengths as well. So, you know, I really like the sort of design and the visual side of things. I love doing that stuff. Whereas Shannon is really good at the writing side of things. So, you know, we we would vary our tasks to our to our strengths, which is a great thing about working together. So events and, you know, to a certain extent, memberships, I guess, as well, or in fact, any of these can be a great way to collaborate. If you're thinking, oh, I'd love to do that, but is it going to be too much work? Consider, you know, 
collaborating with someone else and doing this thing together that can be huge you're bringing in both of your audiences and yeah there might be some overlap but there'll definitely be some people who know that person who don't know you and vice versa so there's that cool really positive element to it and also it helps you to spread the workload which is great and it's a nice chance to work together which is which is good when a lot of the time you know the things you do we're working alone by nature in the job we do so another thing I'd recommend is that to collaborate Um, and finally um, I want to talk a little bit more about online courses so this is probably my favorite way to sort of diversify your income when you're teaching online because I find that I, I enjoy teaching, especially kind of with video. I enjoy explaining things to people as if they're in the room, as if I am teaching them one-on-one, you know, and online courses allow me to do that with video. A great advantage of this is that you can teach anything, okay? So, you know, maybe you think, oh yeah, I teach Spanish, but how can I teach Spanish in one course? Well, you don't have to. No one's looking for that. What people are looking for is something to help answer their specific questions their problems their struggles and maybe you're thinking okay I've had a lot of students say to me recently that they struggle with the past tenses in Spanish expressing the past in Spanish there you go that's your topic that's a little bit narrower you can focus in on some really specific things there and of course like I mentioned at the beginning this is made really really easy with teachable so especially if you've already or you're already building you know your own audience and your own space on your own website and social media etc you're building up an email list then teachable makes this super easy to put everything in one place taking care of all the payments all of the stuff that would otherwise cause a massive massive headache I honestly spent months looking around at the beginning trying to find where I wanted to host my online course I had the course it was ready to go I just didn't know where to put it Um, and then teachable kind of appeared appeared around that time with a different name at the time but it was it was then and I thought oh this is perfect this is exactly what I'm looking for and and it is and it still is and it's really really helpful um of course though this does come with a slight negative that if maybe you haven't yet got a big audience you're still working on that you're building that then the marketing is all on you with Teachable, which means that could be tricky to sell enough courses to make it profitable. However, you've got Udemy there as an option, um, or Udemy, I'm never quite sure. Um, but you lose a, a slight sense of control with this, I feel. Basically, if you're not too sure what I'm talking about, Udemy, Udemy, it's a place where you can host your online courses um, and they already have an audience. So people will go on there and look and think, oh yeah, I want to learn something new. Oh, here's a course about Spanish past tenses. Click, they'll buy it, they'll learn from you. So it can actually be a really great way to sort of, you know, promote yourself to a new audience. So something that I've been meaning to do for a while, and, you know, maybe I'll get to it one day, but I just haven't yet, it's never been quite a priority, is to create a small sort of low-priced course to put on Udemy, Udemy, and uh, and use it almost more like promotion than a place where I keep my own sort of big solid courses so so yes yeah, so it does have its perks and advantages if you're not sure do take a look at both but teachable for me wins hands down every single time however of course another negative perhaps is that this you know is a lot of work to make an online course initially what i do personally i've created oh a number of, of courses there are two big 
courses that I have that I sell regularly to um, to people. One is for learners, that's successful self-study, and one is for teachers, that's the online teaching starter kit. And with both of those, if I ever do a big sort of launch or opening for enrollment, that kind of thing, then what I'll do is I'll go through the entire course and I'll rewatch everything and I'll make notes of anything that needs updating. So, you know, I, it's a lot of work initially and then Every time I launch, I just update what's necessary um, so that everything is up to date and, and current for, for, for new students as well. Um, so, yeah, but I think really with online courses, the positives definitely, definitely, definitely outweigh the negatives. And I think that, to be honest, with all of these uh, examples that we've shared, that's pretty much the case, you know. There are more positives. The negatives, I don't know, maybe I've worded it wrong. Maybe they're not negatives. They're probably more things to think about, (laughs) things to consider, I would say. So uh, yeah, there we go. That is it for this episode. Your action point today is to plan for what will be your ways of expanding your online teaching beyond one-on-one. And when you're done, share them in the Teach Languages Online Facebook group. I want to hear what your plans are. You've been enjoying Teach Languages Online, the podcast for online language teachers and budding ones too. Brought to you by me, Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages. This episode, may I recommend Teachable. Teachable is the best place to put your online courses. They handle the tech, the payment and all the scary stuff and make it as easy as possible to teach online with courses. Find out more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teachable. And remember, every fourth week, just like this one, I'll be answering your questions right here on the show. So get in touch. Email me at lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at doeslanguages.com. That's lindsay at doeslanguages.com. And you never know, it might just be your question I answer this month. You can find everything you need from this show over at lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash teach languages online. That's it from me this week. I'll leave you with a little nugget of inspiration as always, this time from Michelle Obama. Just try new things. Don't be afraid. Step out of your comfort zone and soar. Have a great week and share this episode with a friend you know will love it too. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. Bye.